The following interview was recorded live at the North American Menopause Society, or NAMS, annual meeting. Founded in 1989, NAMS is North America's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the health and quality of life of all women during midlife and beyond through an understanding of menopause and healthy aging. Hello, this is Dr. Prathima Sethi, and I'm your host for this segment on ReachMD. Today we have with us Dr. Susan Reed. She is professor of the Departments of Obstetrics and Gynecology and Epidemiology, and she is the program director for the National Institute of Health-funded Women's Reproductive Health Research Program at the University of Washington. She is internationally renowned for her research in midlife women's health, and she will be discussing today non-hormonal options for hot flashes in the postmenopausal woman. Dr. Reed, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Dr. Reed, in the office setting, a postmenopausal patient often comes in with varied complaints, one of them being hot flashes. What is your approach to treatment of hot flashes in this type of patient? There are many factors one might want to consider. In counseling someone who comes in with bothersome hot flashes, first you want to assess how they feel about a hormonal versus a non-hormonal versus a behavioral intervention. And some women walk into the office already fairly set on which direction they might want to go. Some women may have risk factors that would push the decision to go one direction versus another. Focusing on the non-hormonal treatments, uh, many women like to try herbal therapies or things that they perceive that are not prescription. Can you comment on some of these therapies such as black cohosh, um, evening primrose oil, some of these therapies that are commonly used? So our group in Seattle did one of the largest randomized control trials looking at black cohosh with my colleagues. Dr. Catherine Newton, Dr. Andrea LaCroix, and that was a, a large randomized control trial with women who received either placebo, a black cohosh mono herbal therapy, but multi-botanical that contained black cohosh, and there was still another arm of women that were randomized to the multi-botanical plus a soy diet. So we were able to study a number of herbal therapies at once, and then lastly and most importantly, we had an arm that was anchored in the gold standard estrogen. So we had anchors on both ends with the placebo and the estrogen therapy. And what we found in that trial of around 350 women was that over one-year intervention, the placebo group improved somewhat, but that improvement literally was exactly the same as all of our herbal therapies and the soy diet. And the only arm that had significant improvement was the uh, estrogen estrogen group. So that was a huge disappointment to our group. It was a collaboration with Bastyr University, which is one of the largest naturopathic universities in the country. It was very rigorously done, blinded, and a product with QI and funded by the National Institutes of Health. So huge disappointment for certainly women in Seattle, Pacific Northwest, and perhaps women across the country. To my knowledge, there are no randomized control trials that have really evaluated things like evening primrose uh, oil. And soy, I think, stay tuned here. We're seeing new data coming mainly out of Japan. Our group looked with Japanese colleagues at uh, a product, a natural 
natural production of a product called Equal. And uh, what we saw there is that only approximately 20% of American women naturally produce Equal. We did see a decrease in hot flashes among Equal producers in our study. And uh, there are some studies in Asia now for a synthetic product of S-Equal that, uh, that is looking quite promising. So, Dr. Reed, the patient who's on black cohosh and swears that they feel better, how do you counsel that patient and you know, a patient that doesn't want to, doesn't want to discontinue it? And also, are there any adverse side effects? So, there have been uh, rare reports of hepatic dysfunction or liver problems with black cohosh. These are usually contaminants and not necessarily due to the black cohosh itself. So for most of my patients, if they're getting herbal product through a fairly reputable company and they feel better, I think it's great. They're out a little bit of pocket money potentially for something else. But if they are feeling better and they think they're gaining benefit, in general, we think there's not much harm with these herbs. That's good to know. Let's move on to some of the prescription non-hormonal treatments for hot flashes. What's your first line of treatment, or does that depend on the patient? Well, it definitely depends on the patient. Some women who are having hot flashes and may have some mild mood disturbances, which are very common at midlife, we tend to use an SSRI or an SNRI. Uh, these products are a type of drug that is used for depression as well. But I tell all of my patients, although we call them antidepressants, it's actually a classification of drugs that changes blood neurotransmitters, serotonin and norepinephrine, that we are really seeing an effect. And in fact, if you use the doses most commonly used for depression, we don't see as good an effect the low doses of these products seem to be the most effective for hot flashes. And in head-to-head -head trials that our group has done through the Miss Flash Menopause Network, Dr. Hadeen Jaffe and then also Dr. Ellen Freeman, we evaluated escitalopram and venlafaxine. Both of these were found to uh, decrease hot flashes and statistically significant. And in addition, in Dr. Jaffe's study, there was a head-to-head -head of placebo, venlafaxine, and estradiol. And, and it appears that for low-dose estradiol, the venlafaxine effect is, is fairly comparable. Not quite as good, perhaps, but both statistically significant from placebo. If you are just tuning in, we are speaking with Dr. Susan Reed, and we are discussing non-hormonal options for hot flashes. I believe there's a new FDA-approved treatment, paroxetine. Can you comment on that or your experience with that drug? The new FDA-approved drug is paroxetine, which is an SSRI, that one of the classes of drugs I've just mentioned. There's some nice old studies. Uh, Dr. Vered Stearns did some of the original work on this, published in 2005, I believe, in New England Journal of Medicine, that showed paroxetine 12.5 uh, milligrams continued release was quite effective for hot flashes. The new product that uh, is FDA approved is a 7.5 milligram uh, product, but slightly different. It's paroxetine mesylate. And if you look at the pharmacokinetics of these two products, 
the new uh, Risdell product is quite comparable to the, the product that uh, Vered Stearns evaluated and, in fact, is a generic product today. So quite comparable and uh, effective. Not a huge effect as far as if we compared, were able to compare with estrogen, I would wager my bets would definitely be on estrogen if, you, if we ever did a head-to-head. What about some of the other options? Um, gabapentin comes to mind, um, as well as uh, clonidine. Can you comment on some of the other drugs available? So gabapentin has pretty good studies uh, to date. There was a very uh, recent study by Dr. Joanne Pinkerton, uh, published in 2014, look at gabapentin gastroretentin, retentive gabapentin. And this is a longer-acting gabapentin with quite potentially, and I think was demonstrated in this study, fewer side effects than we see with the immediate release formulation. Women commonly have difficulty with the immediate release gabapentin. It may cause drowsiness, a sense of fatigue, and uh, somnolence. So I think the newer product is looking a little better in that respect, and uh, that that's a positive thing. These are commonly used for our breast cancer survivor patients. I use them commonly for my patients that have blood disorders such that they have an increased risk for clotting. So these are patients that you would definitely not want to use hormonal therapies. And can you comment on some of the common side effects that you see with some of these drugs and what practitioners out there should look out for? So if you look at the depression studies for the use of antidepressants, around 10% of patients will have a variety of, of side effects, most commonly gastrointestinal, which could include nausea, some bloating, sometimes diarrhea, and we see those, that more commonly in the SNRI category. Headaches, some sexual dysfunction, which actually is fairly rare but quite disturbing for patients. For the SNRIs, you have to be more aware of potential hypertension. Venlafaxine is a good example of that. The products that work fairly well for menopause tend not to cause weight gain, as we see with depression. And I think it's also a dose response, so that it would be a very rare side effect. That was a great review, uh, Dr. Reed, on uh, non-hormonal therapies for hot flashes. Do you have any final thoughts um, that uh, take-home messages for our listeners uh, regarding this topic? I would say it's an exciting time that we historically have relied on hormonal therapies for treatment of menopause that we are looking to other potential treatments that would be of benefit for women, particularly with relation to sleep disorders that are common at, the, at midlife and mood. And some of these SSRI, SNRIs are quite effective for that. Quality of life was demonstrated to be improved for our studies with escitalopram and the venlafaxine. So that's pretty exciting news. I think we're broadening our approaches. So our group has also looked at uh, yoga intervention for menopause, exercise. And certainly with the yoga, though, we didn't see a decrease in hot flash frequency. We saw impressive improvement in quality of life. So I think exercise and uh, these other modalities, behavioral interventions, are pretty exciting as we move forward to give women a full complement of options uh, to treat midlife symptoms. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Reed. I am your host, Dr. Pathima Sethi, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio. 
If you missed any part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download this podcast. Thank you for listening.